Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Have you ever noticed that uh, fully trained people, even when they're uh, performing a complicated task, can look really smooth doing it? Like, wow, incredible grace. Like a, a, a gymnast on those bars. What would you look like if you were trying to swing on those bars? Or watching a tree faller climb a tree and lop those things off. Maybe you had the mistake of YouTubing a surgeon in the theater operating room and seeing them at work. Or you've worked in the operating room and you've seen it. Or maybe even just a snowboarder shredding down the slopes. I have tried snowboarding. It didn't look smooth or graceful. But fully trained people can make hard work look easy, right? Even when you know it's not. Their smooth, seemingly effortless grace comes from intense, focused, committed training. Along the way, as they were being trained, we know there was a day when they stumbled, when they fell, when they missed or mistook things before they got it right. And slowly, 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 they gained more and more skill, gaining ability and confidence as they practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. And whether it was the famous uh, 10,000 hours or some other insane number, we know that the effortless grace that we witness came through intentional practice over lots of time. So let me ask you, could we be trained by Jesus in such a way that we look more graceful in his ways? Would a fully trained apprentice of Jesus be able to make even the hard work of loving one another and loving their enemies, the hard work of serving one another, look a little more fluid? What do you think? Well, we've been treating Luke's gospel like a master class. That's the big M up there. A master class where we're approaching Luke's gospel and looking at these accounts, uh, this account, this is uh, the third of four accounts of Jesus' life, and we've been studying the life and teaching of Jesus from the posture of an apprentice, saying, we're, we're going to read this, we're going to pray through this, we're going to apply this as people with a real bent for action. We're not, just, we're not just listening to nice stories, we're not just filling up our little mental cup, but rather, we actually want to engage and follow and implement the teaching and life of Jesus so that we can learn how to be more effective and, dare I even say, skilled followers of Jesus. Jesus is going to make a case today for what some of that skill might look like, what it means to be a fully trained apprentice, and how it is to be fully trained in grace. More fluid, you could say, more confident 
in that same kind of loving action and attitudes that we see flowing from the Father himself. But like uh, surgeons and gymnasts and uh, tree fallers and snowboarders, uh, none of this grace just comes overnight. Like, bing, we wake up and wow, are they ever great. It doesn't work like that, does it? Being fully trained as an apprentice of Jesus takes intentional practice. It really does. It actually is hard work that's done in and through us by the Holy Spirit. This morning's study is uh, still part of a much larger block of teaching that Jesus has been giving that we started into a few weeks ago. Last week, after telling his disciples to treat difficult people just like the Father treats them with kindness and compassion, Jesus caps it all off with this be statement. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful, or be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Apprentices of Jesus are to respond to difficult people in these concrete ways. This is from last week, a little recap. In these concrete ways, this is how we are to respond to difficult people. We're to love our enemies and do good for them, bless those who curse us, and pray for those who mistreat us. And what we learned in summary last week was that we don't treat others how they treat us. We treat others how God treats them. And if you want to dig into that, it's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, go to our website. But Jesus continues to expand this thread of teaching because he wants his apprentices to be fully trained. And so following this, be merciful as your father is merciful, be compassionate as your father is compassionate, Jesus gives a series of rapid-fire directives for what being merciful looks like, not only in our actions, but also in our attitudes. We're reading from Luke chapter 6. We'll start in verse 37. This is what Jesus goes on to say right after the merciful thing. He says, do not judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn or you will be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now notice there's two negatives there. Don't judge, don't condemn. And then two positives, forgive and give. And I want you to notice how these four things, judging, condemning, forgiving, and giving, are now more about our internal attitudes toward others than they are specifically about our actions toward others. Jesus has already covered the action business already. He's detailed that out. Turn the cheek, give away your coat, give without expectation of return, love, do good, all that stuff. Very good. And, and it's because Jesus knows. He wants his, his apprentices to be fully trained, not only in the actions of their heavenly father, but also in our attitudes. And Jesus matches all four of these attitudes with their boomerang effects. How you judge or don't judge, how you condemn or don't condemn, whether you forgive or not, whether you give or not, all of that, Jesus says, comes back on us with interest. Jesus is kind of painting a what you sow, you reap picture here. What you give, you get, and then some. And it even applies to how we treat people internally how we think of them. Jesus wants his disciples to understand that how we treat others, both in our actions and in our attitudes, directly correlates to how we ourselves will be treated. Now, this is obviously true in our relationships, isn't it? It's very clear that if you are a judgmental person, walking around, condemning people left and right, radiating disapproval, 
and looking down your nose at everyone, you will get much the same judgment and condemnation in return. How many arrogant, critical, judgy people enjoy warm, meaningful friendships? Like none of them. Zero. Whereas people who live generously and love graciously are for the most part treated with generosity and with grace by others that like begets like. This is just, you just kind of see it bear out, especially if you watch, ah, there's one-offs here and there, I get that. But if you look at the arc of someone's life, you look at the character of someone's life, you look at what they are like with others, you will see this to be true. Shock, shock, how you treat others is how you get treated. And that's up close, and that's obvious in our relationships with each other. But there's something else here we need to see because Jesus, in his teaching, is constantly taking our present actions and then casting them up in the light of a future something, a future reward, a future punishment, uh, something that's coming. He does it all through his teaching. He reminds his followers that the more like they act like the Father now, the greater their reward from the Father will be in the future. He does this all the time. We've seen this in, our, in his teaching just here in Luke. There's coming a day when everything will be clear and judged for what it is, good or bad. And knowing that Jesus often reminds his followers of this future that's coming, he's already done it just earlier, we can also see how his, you know, judge not lest you be judged thing fits into the longer term as well. When Jesus says, do not judge and you will not be judged, do not condemn, you know, forgive, give. He's pointing out also the fact that our treatment of others in the now has a direct correlation on how God will treat us in the future. That what we sow, we will reap, both in this life and in the next. Because God is a God of justice. He's also a God of mercy, but he's a God of justice. And those who don't let the grace of Jesus change their hearts who are always condemning and judging others, who are always deeming people somehow beyond grace or not worthy of kindness or compassion, will find themselves facing a judge who will use their own measuring stick to judge them. I think we should have a collective yikes at that point. And conversely, those who live with grace and with forgiveness, who exemplify to others that they are in fact God's kids by the way that they show his compassion and grace, will find themselves again measured by that same standard of forgiveness and grace. And we all say, yay, right? When you look through the whole scripture and then through the teaching of Jesus in particular, you see this again and again and again. Later in Luke, Jesus is going to teach his own disciples to pray. And one of the phrases in that famous prayer is, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, right? In Matthew's gospel, the same prayer is taught in a little fuller version in this Lord's Prayer section. Jesus adds right at the end of the prayer. I mean, we're, you know, he, he talks about daily bread and he talks about not being laid into temptation, talks about all things. But right at the end of the prayer, he adds... For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So however you cut it, short term or long, Jesus makes this crystal clear. How we treat others is how we will be treated, both by others and by God himself. But why does Jesus say all this? Is he trying to scare us? 
I don't think so. Although, a good dose of fear sometimes is the only thing that can save someone whose heart has become so hard against grace, has let judgmentalism and condemnation literally dominate the way they think about other people, that somehow fear has a powerful way of focusing the mind. So it could be sometimes that Jesus wants people to wake up and see. But I think it's more than that. You see, Jesus wants his followers to understand how important it is that we're trained by him in grace. That we, as his followers, as his apprentices, learn to love like he loves. Learn to look on others the way he looks on others. So that we become increasingly grace-filled toward others, the way the Father is, the way Jesus is. And that training will take some very long, hard, honest, internal work. Work that only the Holy Spirit can really do in us as we yield ourselves to him. For some of us to overcome the judgmentalism that has characterized our hearts will require surgery. Good thing we have a good surgeon. And he's smooth, by the way. Very trained. Others of us, it'll require some real intentional renewal, changing in patterns and prayers. But all of us, it will require practiced, intentional training in the ways of Jesus, watching Jesus, observing how he works, taking that in and implementing, mimicking him, trying to master his ways in our relationships and in our lives, taking his teaching and what he has said super seriously and making that the focus of our lives so that we can become fully trained in grace. And this is where Jesus takes us now. After this, you know, how you treat others is how you'll be treated teaching. Um, Jesus, going on in verse 39, also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. See Jesus' goal there? Let's keep going. Verse 41. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus knows that unless we tend to our own hearts and minds. Unless we let the kindness of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the influence of the Holy Spirit inform our actions and reform our attitudes, we will just be blind people leading other blind people into nasty, graceless pits. We cannot convey the grace of Jesus to others if we have not been transformed by it first. And proof in the pudding of not being transformed by grace is a life characterized by judgment and condemnation. Notice how Jesus draws our attention to his goal right in the middle of it. You caught that. I drew your attention to it. The student is not above his teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like their teacher. We never advance beyond Jesus, of course, but we can look like him. And he intends us to. 
I mean, we should just like pause there for a moment. Jesus intends for you to be so fully trained in grace that you look like your teacher. He intends for me to be so fully trained in grace that I look like him in the way that I interact, in the way that I think, in the attitudes and actions of my life toward others, particularly those who are difficult. That's pretty inspiring, I think. I mean, do you want to be fully trained by Jesus? I do. It's like, Jesus, train me. But that training can only happen as we submit ourselves to his leadership and let him do that work in us by his grace. To be fully trained in grace means that as Jesus' own apprentices, we're able to slowly, gradually, and there's some stops and starts and there's some failures and there's some mistakes, but gradually, slowly, over many, many, many hours, the Holy Spirit leads us to begin to love more and more the way he loves. To speak not what would have naturally rolled out of our mouth, but to begin to speak in the ways of Jesus. Even when that's difficult. To be present in conflict situations in the way that he was, even when that would have seemed impossible just a few years ago. A fully trained follower of Jesus is fully trained in grace in such a way that they can even make hard things look more and more graceful. I think it's possible. But more importantly, Jesus thinks it's possible. But how? Well, and I do want to open it up here in a few minutes for some of your comments today. Comments, thoughts, questions. Haven't done that for a while? That would be fun, wouldn't it? Um, So just in a moment. I want you to notice how Jesus anchors his teaching here in a practice that requires honest self-examination. You saw it? He urges his followers to turn their attention toward their own issues, their own hearts and minds. If we are to be fully trained in grace, if we are to be fully trained like Jesus, we have to get serious about our own personal plank patrol. I like that one, but you didn't. (laughs) Personal plank patrol. (laughs) I was thinking about, yeah, how do I get serious about my own planks? Because Jesus is calling us to that. People that are constantly externalizing the judgment, constantly looking around, constantly are proving in that action that they've never really tended to what's been going on inside. There's a need for them to finally come. There's a need for us to finally come and experience the grace of Jesus for ourselves. To stop externalizing that judgment and condemnation and let the Holy Spirit actually reveal the ways that grace and love and forgiveness of Jesus wants to transform our hearts. And so Jesus calls them to this. He even calls them hypocrites, people that put on one face when really there's something else going on. Because that's so often true in our lives, isn't it? When we look at others so much more than we're willing to look at ourselves. And so the call of Jesus here is to turn away from an obsessive concern with other people's issues, sin, specs, and to begin to become very intentional about letting the Holy Spirit pick out our own personal planks. This is so, so important. 
And it's so radical because Jesus is moving us right down, as he often does, right down to the heart of where we are at. And whether we're let, willing to let him do this hard work in us. That in order for us to be fully trained in grace, we need to let him into the state of our hearts and minds. Because if we'll do that, if we'll let the Holy Spirit sift our hearts and probe our minds and shovel out sin, whatever form it is, to begin purging us and restoring us with the kindness and mercy and compassion that he is and has. You see what will happen? In that process, we will become more and more grace-formed in the process. Uh, recently, I heard a story uh, from one of my mentors, Jim Houston, who has, is kind of renowned. He's over 100 now. I mentioned him before. You can still meet with him, and he can uh, do this to you too. But apparently, uh, people who met him, particularly when he was younger, would say, you spend about 10 minutes with Jim telling him what's going on in your life, and then for the next 50 minutes, it was like he had a message from God from, for you. Like, call it prophetic, call it uh, wisdom, but he really knew what was going on in your life in, in profoundly um, accurate ways. And so one guy, after meeting with him, said, how, like, how do you know? Like, how do you, how do you understand so deeply what's going on inside of me? And his response was, it takes a thief to catch a thief. And then he followed up, and to have compassion on one. And he talked about the power of knowing the depravity of your own heart, the power of knowing the, your own need for grace enables you to recognize that need in others, but also to have incredible compassion for them. And that's what's going on here with Jesus. He knows that the only way that we can become fully trained in grace so that the good news of Jesus is actually going out to people in ways that transform them, in ways they hear the good news, is if his own apprentices have stopped doing spec patrol on others and have let the Holy Spirit do plank patrol in them. Because it's through that that we begin to experience the grace in all the ways that really matter. Right in the depths of our hearts and lives. Where we have tried to hide, where we have felt so ashamed, where we have hoped no one would notice that the kindness and compassion of the Father comes in and says, look, we can deal with this. You're loved. Let's go. We can cleanse this. We can wash this. We can restore this. We can cut that out. But we can make you whole. And that's the goal of Jesus. That as we experience his grace, as we are transformed by his grace, we are also being fully trained in grace in the process. But it starts by being willing to get honest and let him work in us. Now, I'd love to hear, we've got a few minutes, I'd love to hear how this connects for you. In particular, I'd love to hear how you, particularly some of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, but anyone, um, how is it that you have done this hard work? Or how is it that you've maybe allowed the Holy Spirit to address um, an attitude of condemnation in your life? Or what are some of the practices that have helped you um, grow in grace in your own life. Is anyone willing to talk about that? I'm not asking you to like, this is not group therapy here. 
I'm not asking you to expose more than you should, but just in terms of like, how have you learned to grow in grace? Particularly if you've had a challenge with condemning others or maybe dealing with your own hurt. Anyone like to, if you put up your hand, Olin has a roving mic he'd like to hand you and that's for our brothers and sisters who are online so they hear you. Anyone like to? Or any question or comment you have. Let me just open it wide up. Candy. Yeah. Recently, I've undertaken the practice of reading the gospel over myself every day um, using a little book called The Gospel Primer, and that the reading of the gospel over me every day reminds me um, and often stimulates me to love my brothers and sisters because I, I can recall vividly that day how much was done for, for my salvation. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at my brothers and sisters, I look at them as uh, inheritors in Christ and what am I doing to promote their um, inheritance and what they do to promote mine. Thank you, Ken. So reading, reading the gospel. Excellent. Thank you. Anyone else? Cheryl. I, for, for me, sometimes it's in prayer. Yeah. I was greatly rebuked by God once when I was praying for uh, a colleague who I felt wasn't wise and various different things that I thought. And I was praying that God would give them wisdom, that they would, you know, anyway, trying to correct them in my prayer. And it was like God spoke to me and kind of said, why don't you pray a blessing on them? And I began then to pray a blessing Uh, notes of gratitude and love for those people instead of the way that I had been praying. And, and Gerald, how did that affect you? Oh, it affected my attitude towards them in daily life as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? Shanae. Yeah, you do, because people online can't hear you. Yeah. Sorry. And people in the room who can't hear. Yeah. I think I think um, just making it a habit, like I know you talked before a few weeks ago about, you know, the WWJD bracelets and stuff, mm-hmm. but I actually do use those because they do remind me yeah. whenever I start to become judgmental, I'll be like, oh, wait, what would Jesus do? And then it's like, okay, it's breaking habits, forming new habits, and then going, okay, I just have to let this go because Jesus forgave me, so I deserve... I have to forgive them because Jesus did that for me. So breaking those habits is super, super important in my life. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Anyone else? This is really good. Yeah. Um, What I have found is just seeking the character of Jesus constantly and not focusing on anything else. Mm -hmm. It's just putting him first and understanding what and who he is and his character and searching that in the scripture and then my focus is off others. Absolutely. 
Thank you, Val. Fish. This is kind of probably going to condemn myself in a way, but um, it's like, for me, it is a lot of fear. Like, I have to have fear of God. Otherwise, I don't do that. Like, I literally have to be a little bit afraid of <laughs> because of my personality type or whatever, right? Like, I have to have some fear of him. So for me, one thing was like, I remember being really at a church past when we were younger or whatever that we went to being really, really critical of the people in that church and being really, really harsh on them and stuff. And then God at one point convicting me saying, you realize that this is my bride, right? Mm -hmm. And when I think about like how Shane takes care of me, right? And if anybody were to say anything poor about me or, or be mean or unkind to me, how he would respond. Right. And, and, and I remember being really convicted and kind of afraid. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, right. This is your bride. <laughs> I'll just be quiet now. So fear for me, is a, it plays a part. Yeah. Thank you, miss. Yeah. yeah, that scripture in 1 Corinthians 6, you who destroy the church of God, God will destroy you. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That's good. Others. This is really good. The shared wisdom and experience of fellow travelers. Anyone else want to share? Aaron, right at the back. It's been an interesting uh, year for us this year, um, but I found community has been really good and praying and giving more to God. We, as guys or even people, we try to do everything ourselves and we don't let God take control and uh, giving it to him and praying more and getting into the word and filling your life with him has been really influential. Thanks, Aaron. Caitlin. So I was just thinking about, you know, when things happened in my own life and how... Um, upset I would get, you know, with this or that. And I've learned that you will have an opportunity to somehow be a support to others that have been through something similar. Mm -hmm. And so if I do go through something, if I can catch myself in time, God, how can I use this to help others? And I mean, even as far back as when you go through things as a child, would you be in a position to minister or support or just love or be with somebody that has been through something similar and looking at it as a, as a privilege and an honor. Thanks, Caitlin. That's beautiful. I encourage you to continue this conversation. Those in connect groups, talk it up. Those of you find each other over coffee and uh, just continue. There's a lot of really good shared wisdom that we can give to each other because we're all in this, right? We're all trying to figure out how can I give up the things that are slowing me down and hindering me and causing me to be that kind of person I don't want to be and Jesus doesn't want me to be and how can I flourish in the way that God intends? Beautiful. Listen, uh, you've covered all of the practical points I had for implementation, um, but let me summarize this way. As you already heard a number of you say, How do we get practical about this teaching to be fully trained in grace? The first thing, first, first, first order is that we submit ourselves to the teaching and person of Jesus. 
that we actually come to the Gospels and we let Jesus through sustained meditation, through reading, through, as Canny put it, the, you know, covering yourself with the Gospels every day, we let the Gospel of Jesus Christ actually influence our heart and mind, fill our vision, as Val put it, so that that's what we are focused on. If we find ourselves looking at others and casting that condemning eye or, or, or somehow being distracted by... We turn our attention to Jesus. We regularly submit ourselves as his apprentices to be trained in grace. And we need to do that through, with a particular focus, on the master himself. The whole of scripture is the Bible Jesus read, uh, but also that, the fact that uh, there's this, these particular accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we regularly meditate upon so that we can see and follow the person of Jesus. So that's first. And then the second is that we do have this posture, and you've heard it mentioned as well, that we invite the Holy Spirit to search us, to examine us, that we have an honest conversation with a spiritual friend, a trusted confidant, where we maybe ask a family member, um, how am I on the judgmental side? Do you feel forgiven? Uh, what's going on? Am I growing in grace? To have that kind of honest conversation with the Holy Spirit and with trusted people. Because the Holy Spirit wants to do this searching, this examining, but not in a harsh way. The beautiful thing about God is that when we open ourselves up to his work in our lives, we'll find him beautifully gentle, firm. He wants to move us to freedom, but he does it in ways that are so life-giving. You won't regret it. And then, of course, it goes on from there that we put in the work as apprentices of Jesus. We ask the Spirit to walk with us through the day. And as Janae said, like, there's habits and patterns and ways of seeing that we want the Holy Spirit to nip in the bud and, and to, to, to relay them. But there's also ways in which we're growing in grace. And we're noticing there's, there's a, a freer generosity in me and a, a more of a willingness to forgive. And I'm not holding on to those grudges anymore and celebrating the work that God is also doing. This ongoing training really does take intentional practice. Gathering to worship is part of that, where we fill our vision with Jesus. And together as the body of Christ, we simply exalt him as our king. Gathering in community be it through connect groups or other forms, ways that we actually get intentional in talking about what it means to be apprentices of Jesus and follow him, praying for one another, serving together, enjoying the friendship we have with Jesus. These are all ways that the Holy Spirit continues to train us in grace because Jesus' hope is that we would be trained, fully trained, so that we look just like him. When you look in the mirror later today, you're looking at someone that Jesus wants fully trained. So that more and more people go, was that Jesus who just walked by? Oh, no, it was Peter. <laughs> was that Jesus I just... Oh, no, it was Marion. That's what Jesus wants. Fully trained in grace. Fully trained in grace. The team is going to come and lead us in a final song uh, as they come. I will pray. Lord Jesus, would you train us in grace? This is a beautiful thing to have an experience of being transformed by you, 
And I ask that we would be yielded to you, Jesus. That we would know the freedom and the life that comes from letting go of our obsessive concern with other people, sin or specs, but letting you release us from the planks, from the sin that has often kept us in bondage ourselves. So we look to you, Jesus. Train us in grace. We submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.